Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Oh, God is good. God is good. We are in part two of this series called the Tabernacle Prayer. Somebody say Tabernacle. Uh, were you here last week? How many of you were here last week? Okay, yes, okay. So we didn't run you off. You weren't afraid. You returned. Welcome back. Uh, this may be brand new information to some of you, and I want to do just a quick review of where we started and ended last week and then build on that. Hopefully, when you came in today, you got one of these handouts, okay? I know we gave you a handout last time. Some of you came up to me afterwards and said, Pastor, the handout was so small, you didn't give me enough room to take more notes because we believe that history makers are... Yes, and so this day we gave you some space up in here. You got room, okay? Everybody say, thank you, Pastor. Yeah, so this is a, a last week. We've already filled in the blanks for you. If, if you're new to this, we are, we're catching you up right now. We filled in the last week blanks. We've got more opportunities today. Some of you came last week and didn't even realize we had notes. How many of you know there are difference between right brain people and left brain people? Left brain people, if you have notes and you, you didn't fill in a blank, you will lose sleep over that. Pastor didn't say that. What was that? I get emails from left brainers saying, hey, what was point two letter C? You didn't tell us that. Right brain people didn't even realize there were notes to be taken. Come on, somebody. You're the creative types. Hey, how many know it takes all different kinds? Uh, so let, let's go part two of this tabernacle prayer. Let me give you just a quick review, and I'm going to speak as fast as I can to get us where we need to be. Remember, last week we said that God gave Moses, on the top of Mount Sinai, God gave Moses ten commandments, and he wrote those commandments in stone. But at the same time, he also gave Moses every detail of the tabernacle. And here's why that's significant. Because God knew that we would break every single command. Come on, don't point at anybody in this room, but how many of you know we are really, really good at messing things up? God knew that about us. And so here's the Ten Commandments, Moses. I know y'all going to break every one. So let me give you the tabernacle. And that's why this is such an important study because the tabernacle was an Old Testament picture. It was a type. It was a shadow, a copy of what's actually happening in heaven. This gives us a great format for prayer. And, and we talked about that. The Old Testament priest, he was the one that represented the people to God. Remember, a prophet represents God to the people, but a priest represents the people to God. Man had no relationship with God except through the priest. Now, the tabernacle, and we have some 3D visuals that we're going to show you today, and I think it helps when you see it, not just hear it. It helps you to connect the dots. But the tabernacle was a mobile structure. In other words, when God told the Israelites, it's time to move, then they would pack it up. They would put it together. They would take the curtains and the poles and all the utensils and all of the, 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 the items in it, and they would move when the cloud would move. And here's why that's important, because you don't have to wait to come to church in order to pray to God. It happens anywhere, at any time, under any set of circumstances. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. 
And, and, and we'll see this. We saw this last week, but you'll see this again today, that every item in the tabernacle, it points to Jesus. It all points to Jesus. It was a foreshadow of what was to come, but it was pointing to Jesus who would be the fulfillment of everything the tabernacle represents. In fact, in the Old Testament, Jesus is concealed, but in the New Testament, Jesus is revealed. And all of scripture from Genesis to Revelation points us to the person of Jesus. Last week, we talked about the outer court. Somebody say the outer court. We were on the outside, okay? We talked about entering through the gates and we enter in with thanksgiving. And then the very first item that you would see in the outer court was this brazen altar. It was a place of death. It was a place where the priests would offer the animal sacrifices. There was blood. It was shed up, shedding blood. Would, they would sprinkle the blood upon the altar and upon the horns of the altar. And then once the, the priest was finished with the sacrifice, before he could enter into the holy place, he had to clean himself. And so we talked about the laver and how the laver, that wash basin, represents purity and we were praying God give us clean hands and give us pure hearts and at each one of these stations it represents a, a time and a connecting point with the Lord so today I want to move us from the outer court into the holy place now uh, let me just say this the three things we talk about today will still be one short of the fullness of the tabernacle I am saving the holy of holies for this Wednesday night Okay, I don't know if you normally come to church on first Wednesday, but of all the first Wednesdays we've had, I'm most excited about this. We're going to put this prayer together from start to finish, and I'm going to talk to you about the holy place, the most holy place, the, the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant on Wednesday night. And so we're going to pray for people. And if you need a miracle in your life, if you need healing in your body, if you need freedom over an addiction or a bondage, or, man, there's going to be some great interactive things we'll do this Wednesday night. So don't miss it. We'll finish this teaching then. But re read with me here. Um, and that, let's move from the outer court into the holy place. Number one, if you're taking notes, the first thing that you see once you walk into the holy place is the lampstand. Okay, the lampstand. And, and, and here's why this is important. In the outer court, there was no covering. There was no ceiling. And so all the light was natural. It was the sun during the day. It was the moon at night. There was natural lighting. But when you walked into the building, when the priest would go into the holy place, it was covered. And the only light that he had to guide him was this lampstand. And this lampstand represents the Holy Spirit. Many of you, you've seen probably what's called the candlestick or the menorah. Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. The Jewish menorah. And it was a, it was a candlestick. It was made of pure gold. It was one solid piece. Think of the craftsmanship that it would take to make this candlestick out of one solid piece of gold weighing approximately 75 pounds. Now notice the look of it. It's a central stick that has six branches, six different expressions, three on either side that come from that center stick. Now, in each branch, there is a bowl. You'll notice a little cup, and that cup had to have pure olive oil in it. The priest would check the lampstand twice a day because he was commanded to make sure that the light would never go out. Those little bowls had to stay full 
of oil. Can I tell you this? God wants your life to be full of the Holy Spirit. They had to stay full of oil. You say, well, Mike, how would that lampstand get lit? Where would they take the fire from? They brought it from the brazen altar. Remember, in the outer court, the sacrifices at the brazen altar, the priest would take the coal, the fire from that sacrifice, and bring it into the holy place, and that's how that pure olive oil would burn, through the fire of the brazen altar. I want you to know this. God wants us as his church to be full of the Holy Ghost and fire fire. He wants your life. There's got to be oil in your lamp. There's got to be something burning in your soul. Come on, are we people of passion? I hope we're not apathetic. I hope we don't settle for mediocrity. I pray that God ignites within us a fire of his spirit and we are full of oil so that we're constantly illuminating darkness. How many of you know we live in a dark and difficult world? I mean, the culture is going crazy. There's so, some of you work in a very dark place. Some of you go to a school campus where you're the only light that's shining. And this candlestick, this lampstand is a reminder that God wants us to be full of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be ignited with fire from above. In fact, I've prayed this over my life and I pray this over our church. I say, Lord, if somebody's looking for you, let them find you in me. There are some people that may never come to church. How many of you work with people that you will never get to church? Hopefully you will. You pray that they come. But even if they don't come to church, guess what? God says, I want you to bring church to them. I put oil inside of you. I placed a fire inside of you. This lampstand represents the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the verse, okay? This is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Here's what we pray at the lampstand. The Bible says in Isaiah 11, verse 2, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Now, notice this is the prophet Isaiah, and he's writing these words 700 years before Jesus. But this is a messianic prophecy. He's pointing to Jesus. Who is the Spirit of the Lord going to rest upon? This coming Messiah. And it will be one spirit with six expressions. It'll be a spirit of wisdom and understanding. It'll be the spirit of counsel and might. It'll be the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Can I have a good amen? All of that comes from the Holy Spirit. Notice the menorah, the candlestick, one center stick, six different expressions. This is a picture of the Holy Spirit who deposits wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and the fear of the Lord. How many of you, you want that in your life? Let's look at this just for a second. Wisdom. Wisdom is not just knowledge, but it's the skills to apply that knowledge in your life. How many of you know we live in a day where we are desperate for wisdom? Oh my goodness. If you look at what's happening in our culture, watch what's happening in our country. <laughs> Read social media. How many of you know somebody has kidnapped common sense? Is it just me or do you sometimes wonder what planet am I on? By what people say and how they think and some of their choices, I'm like, what? Oh my goodness, when you kidnap common sense, you open the door to confusion. And the Bible says, I wanna fill you with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. 
You see, the quality of your life is determined by your ability to make right choices. How many parents have, have told their children this? You've got to get good at making right choices because when you do the right things, you'll see the right results. God says, quit making decisions based on emotions and feelings. You know what you need to make decisions based on? Wisdom. How many of you, you want to walk in wisdom at your job? How many of you need wisdom as a parent? How many of you need wisdom to navigate some of the craziness that culture's throwing at you? It comes through the Holy Spirit, this lampstand. The Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, and it will be a spirit of wisdom, but also a spirit of understanding. You know what understanding is? Understanding is discernment. Discernment. The word discern means to see. It means to see something hidden from the natural eye. How many of you know sometimes you can look at a situation and you're not really sure of everything that's involved immediately, but God will give you understanding. He'll give you discernment. He'll help you to see the motives of certain people. Can I tell you this? Not everybody in your world is for you. Some of you have let people come close to you and they're not for you. And it takes a discerning spirit, come on, it takes a little understand. You know what, Rachel is great at this. Can I tell you, my wife has such keen discernment. In fact, Brother Wayne says the Holy Ghost wears a skirt. <laughs> and I believe it's true. That girl sees things. Sometimes I am naive. Fellas, anybody out there like that? Sometimes I'm like in a you know, conversation where, with a group, and I'm like, man, it's great. Aren't they great? Aren't, man, isn't that person awesome? And she's like, no. <laughs> He's trying to take advantage of you, and you don't even see it. Come on, talk to me now. Not everybody in your world is for you. They're trying to sabotage your success. They may be close to you and say the right things, but unless you have an understanding, a discernment. Some of you, God's saying, pump the brakes, slow down, because life becomes blurry when you get in a hurry. And you're making decisions on relationships and you're moving way too fast. Slow down before you make a decision to hire that person or to make that purchase. Come on, am I talking to anybody? See, the Holy Spirit gives you not only wisdom, but it's a spirit of understanding. Look at this third thing. It's also a spirit of counsel. You know what counsel is? It's advice from the Holy Ghost. It's good advice. The Holy Spirit will help you solve hard problems by showing you root causes. Sometimes there's a relationship breakdown and there's layers in this. Some of you are struggling in a marriage and you need counseling. You need godly counsel. Some of you are trying to navigate some things with a child or something going on at work and you need good counsel. Uh, let me warn you, church, be careful where you get your counsel from. You could ask 10 different people what they think you should do with your life and get 10 different answers. And you know what's amazing to me is sometimes we ask people about our lives when they don't even know what they're doing with their life. Come on, somebody. When you listen to wrong voices, you're going to make wrong choices. 
But the Bible says he'll give you a spirit of counsel. That's godly advice. The, the Holy Spirit saying, hey, check with me before you do that. Check with me. I can speak to you about this situation. You know, quit basing your life on unreliable authority and get back to being full of the spirit of God inside of you. It's a spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel, look, and might. That word might there means strength. It means victory. Guess what you have inside of you? A spirit of strength and victory. It's a power inside of you giving you the ability to do the things that please him. You see, here's where some of us are. We know the right thing to do, but we lack the power or the might to do it. The Holy Spirit says, if you check with me, I've got something to say about the situation, but I also have the fuel inside of you to give you the strength to move forward in it. Notice what he says here. It's a spirit of knowledge. That's intelligence. God wants to give you, he wants you to increase in knowledge of his word, in understanding and knowledge of his character and his nature. But then finally, it's a spirit of the fear of the Lord. And that phrase, the fear of the Lord, is simply this, reverence, reverence, reverence. You say, wait a second, pastor. I thought God didn't want me to be afraid. Are you telling me to, to be afraid of God? No, no, no. Let, let, let me use this analogy. Here's, here's how I interpret the fear of the Lord, this reverence, this respect, this awe. It's almost like, it's like electricity. I'm not afraid of electricity, but I respect its power. Come on. How many of you know that if you have a respect for electricity, beautiful things can happen? You flip on a light switch and what's dark now is, is illuminated. How many of you are thankful for electricity? How many ladies, you, you used a curling iron on your hair this morning? Come on, somebody. Y'all didn't curl, curl your hair? Blow dryer, anybody wash your hair and blow dry it this morning? Yeah, when you plug that blow dryer in, how many are you thankful for it? A couple bald guys raised their head. It's cold out there. Sometimes you got to put a hair dryer on it, you know? But listen, if you get negligent or careless with electricity, it will light up your world. It is swift and dangerous. God's saying this, the fear of the Lord is, don't treat me as common. I am holy. Don't you just carelessly nonchalant and no, no, no. You come in with a respect. God, I'm not afraid of you because that'll push me away. But my fear of the Lord draws me to you. Now, look at these six things. How many of you say, Pastor, I want those six things in my life? If they were active and operating in your life, when you have a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and might, knowledge and the fear of the Lord, that's the sum total of all good things. Your life would be dominant if the Holy Spirit awakened these six things in you simultaneously. My brother-in-law called me a couple weeks ago. He said, Mike, look, we're celebrating a birthday over here at the house, and I'm grilling steaks. He said, I got a 16-ounce filet mignon with your name on it. I just felt the Holy Ghost right there. 
He said, look, I'm going to sous vide these steaks. How many of you, you prepare steak with a sous vide? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's awesome. He said, it's going to be cooked to perfection. I'm going to season it and sear it on either side. You tell me how you want this steak cooked. But I have this thing called compound butter. Somebody say, Holy Ghost. I said, what's compound butter? He said, I'm making this butter. It's a, a, a one stick of salted butter. Add bone marrow to it. Add bacon to it. Add garlic and parsley and shallots to it. I said, oh, Lord. He said, when I pull that steak out, I'm going to put a little bit of that compound butter and just let it melt over that 16-ounce filet. Is anybody drooling right now? I thought, just give me the butter. <laughs> Listen, if you had this compound butter, come on somebody, the, the sum total of wisdom and understanding, counsel and let the Holy Spirit just pour that over your life. It'll be a game changer for you, for your future, for your relationships and for your children. Can I tell you how to pray over your kids? Isaiah 11:2. Lord, give them a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and might. Come on, lift up your hands right now. Father, at this lampstand, we pray that your spirit would fill us with wisdom. God, give us knowledge and understanding. Give us counsel and might and give us a fear, a reverence of the Lord. I pray that your people would walk in the fullness of your spirit. God, let it affect our decisions, our relationships, and shape our future in Jesus' name. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. The lampstand. Now let's hustle over. The second thing, number two, after that, the priest would check the, the candlestick, he would move over to what's called the table of showbread. The, the table of showbread. And this was made of acacia wood. It was overlaid with gold. And it had a frame of gold along the edges about the width of a person's hand. On this table of showbread, the priest would put 12 loaves of bread on it. And you'll see in two groups of six, he would arrange the loaves of bread. Now, you know the number 12 is significant. These 12 loaves represented the 12 tribes of Israel the people of God, these 12 sons of Jacob that would be the people of Israel. The bread, it had to be fresh. Every Sabbath, the priest's responsibility was to make sure that there were 12 fresh loaves on this table. And it's often called the bread of presence because the bread was literally in the presence of God. Now, the, this table if the candlestick, if the lampstand represents the Holy Spirit, this table of showbread represents the word, the word. The priest would often consume this bread and it gave them strength to carry out their responsibilities. Can I tell you, God has an assignment specifically for you in this earth. You have responsibilities to carry out, and he wants to strengthen you with his word to give you the ability to do what he's called you to do. Can I have a better amen? amen. It is super, super, super important. Let me tell you something about this book, and I'm grateful for the screens on Sunday, but I pray that you bring your Bible. I pray that you bring the word of God with you. Check up on your pastor and make sure that your pastor is teaching you from the book. How many of you know, sometimes there are guys that are preaching a lot of good things, but if it's not in the book, it ain't God. 
Listen, if we're not convinced in the authority of scripture, we're gonna be a slave to whatever sounds good. And culture is pushing a message that may sound good. They're trying to program our children in our schools. Culture is drifting away from God. But the Bible says that this word is his bread. It's his nourishment for his people. This book forms our worldview. It forms our values. You know what we believe? It comes from this book. Our belief system has to align with God's word. Government doesn't tell us that. Culture doesn't tell us that. The word of God informs our values as believers. Can I have a better amen? That's why, and the Bible has a lot to say uh, about all of these topics. It's amazing to me how there's such confusion in our country, and you know why? It's because we've gotten away from the book. The Bible has a lot to say about gender. In Genesis 1:27, God made them male and female. He created it. He designed it. Government doesn't decide on that. The Bible talks to us about sexuality and God's gift to man and how it's supposed to be expressed with a husband and a wife within the context of marriage. Government doesn't inform us on that. Hollywood isn't going to shape my beliefs or my opinions. God's already spoken to it. Where does life begin? God says, before I formed you in your mother's belly, I knew you, I called you, and I ordained you. You know what? There's no law that can be passed to undermine the authority of this book. We know what God's word says. We know how to treat people with dignity and respect. You can't legislate that. Now, God bless Congress, but there's a lot of confusion in Congress. God bless Hollywood, but man, the people have lost their minds in Hollywood. I don't want them teaching my children. You know what? I'm going to teach them according to this book right here. Watch this. The farther a society drifts from the truth, the more they try to silence those who speak it. There's an all-out effort to silence the church and do away with this book. They want to muzzle you. They want to silence me. But how many of you know the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will remain forever. This is what we feast upon. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 4. He told, he told the devil when the enemy was coming against him, attacking him and tempting him, Jesus told him, no. Come on, somebody say no. You got to say no to some things. They're trying to cram it down your throat. And God says, no, 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 no. Devil, uh-uh, I'm not listening to that. He says, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, that when the priest would put that bread upon the table, it was nourishment, not just for their physical body, but for their souls. Every word that comes out of the mouth of God, that's what I live for. Now listen, I don't know about you, but food is not an option. How many of you, when you woke up this morning, one of your first thoughts was food? How many of you, when I was describing that compound butter, you were already making lunch plans? Yeah, how many of you, you'll be eating breakfast and you'll be planning what to eat for lunch? How many of you will be eating at a restaurant with a couple and your conversation is all about a meal you had at another restaurant that you need to go visit next? 
Food is not an option for me. My body needs it. I crave it. Without it, I'm weak. Guess what? This book is not an option for my spirit. I crave it. I need it. If I don't feast upon it, I get weak. You know what? That's why we do the one-year Bible. That's why we encourage you to get in the word daily. Do you know, I had a little girl come up to me today. In fact, her, her name is Grayson DeSherry. Grayson is eight years old. And Grayson finds me. She comes to our eight o'clock service. She finds me every Sunday. You know what she does? She says, Pastor, here's my scripture for the week. And she quotes me a verse every single Sunday. She's eight years old. I mean, her mama's there, her grandmama's there, and here I am, and she's quoting the verse that she's been working on, and she colored this. She said, Pastor, I want to give this to you, and here's her verse, 2 Timothy 1, 7, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind, and that little girl sounded off on 2 Timothy 1, 7, and it brought a little conviction to the pastor. Come on, somebody. If she's doing that at eight years of age... Can I tell you, it works if you're 28. It works if you're 48. It works if you're 88. God's word works. Listen, his word works when you put it to work. Come on, pray the word over your circumstances. Pray the word over your children. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.22 that God's word is life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Some of you would do good just to lay hands on your body and pray the word over your physical body. Some of you need to lay your hands over your children and just speak the promises of God's word over them. Come on, lift up your hands right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the table of showbread. God, thank you that you are the bread of life. Lord, you haven't just given us written instructions, but you've become the embodiment of it. Let us be a church. Let us be a people that are hungry for your word. God, let your word take root in our hearts and in our minds. It's your word that shapes our values and how we instruct our children. Your word goes before us, Lord. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word word was God. Let us be a church that is constantly feasting on the truth of your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Number one, the lampstand. That's the Holy Spirit. Number two, the word. Y'all have some blanks that I didn't give you? I know. See, some of you get nervous and a little uptight. He's fixing to go to number three and we don't have A, B, and C. And I'm running out of time, okay? I got two minutes and 30 seconds. How many give me another two minutes? Give me another two minutes. Two, four, six, eight, 10, 12. Okay, three hours. Here we go. Okay, let me hustle so you don't lose sleep over the blanks you haven't filled in. There are three different aspects of his word. Number one, Jesus himself. He is the word in flesh. Number two, it's the written word, the holy scriptures, Genesis to Revelation. And finally, number three, there's a specific word called a rhema word, a rhema word. Some of you, you've been in church, you know about rhema. I had a rhema word. It's a specific word that was spoken to you. I remember my senior year in high school, I went to a, a banquet and a guy was speaking and he called me out in the midst of everybody there and he spoke a rhema word over my life. He said something to me when I was 18 years old and I haven't forgot it decades later. But I want to tell you this, don't chase a rhema. Don't chase a word. I need a word. I need a word. What do you say? What do you say? Call it. I got to go to this conference and walk through this prayer line. Thank God for the rhema. But listen, God has given you already a written set of instructions. 
And if you get a rhema, if you get a specific word prophesied over you, just make sure it lines up with this word right here. Right? You know why? Because God speaks just like he writes. Number three, let me, let me hustle through this. Number three, finally, we move, before we get into the holy of holies, the most holy place, which we'll say for Wednesday night, number three, the last thing we see in this particular room is the incense altar, the incense altar. And this represents our worship. This altar was made of acacia wood. It was overlaid in pure gold. And each of the four corners had a horn, and you can see that. Every morning and every evening, the high priest would burn incense on the altar, and the smoke would continually rise. He would make spices and perfumes and mix them together, put them inside this bowl, and he would, he would present it on the altar of incense as a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 141, verse 2, accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. Here the psalmist is saying, Lord, may this offering from me be pleasing to you. And there was something about it that smelt amazing too. Now, now think about this. In the outer court, it was the brazen altar and it was animal sacrifice. Think about the smell of death. Think of how gory and bloody and brutal the outer court. The outer court had the smell of death, but the inner court smelt of life. The outer court was ministry on behalf of the people, but the holy place, it was ministry to the Lord. Here's why worship is so important. Because when you offer this to the Lord, it gets God's attention. And it pleases him. And the scripture says God inhabits the praises of his people. In Exodus 28, you can read this on your own. But the priest had to wear a robe. And it was a specific robe when he was in the holy place. And at the bottom, at the fringe of this robe were bells. Literally bells on the end of the robe. And everywhere the priest would go, these bells would signify life. Bells are ringing. Come on, jingle bells everywhere he went. You know, there's something about worship that produces joy in us. We live in a day and a time when so many people are oppressed. They're depressed. Man, there's darkness. The Bible says that worship has the ability to produce joy. And that joy brings tremendous strength. Lord, be pleased as we offer this sacrifice of praise to you. And it's not a goat and it's not a calf and it's not a ram. But we're offering ourselves. It's powerful. So this is a powerful picture. Why? Does God require praise? Why does he demand worship? Is God insecure? Is God up in heaven a little bit, you know, insecure about who he is? So he needs millions of people here on earth affirming him. God, you're awesome. God, you're great. God, you're amazing. Oh, thank God. No, no. Worship is not for God's benefit. We worship God for our benefit. 
He doesn't need it. We need to give it. You know, I remember a couple months ago, we were in one of these times of, of praise and, and exaltation, and the music was playing, the band was singing. I was standing right there in that front row, and I got so excited, I just wanted to dance. I wanted to dance. Listen, how many of you, you got dance moves on the inside that your body physically does not recognize on the outside? I mean, for real. It was just like, Lord, you've just done so much for me. I got to do something for you. And there was some stuff happening inside that my body wasn't cooperating with. And so I just started doing like this right here. I mean, this is, this is a white boy dance right here. This is as good as it gets. Man, I'm feeling some other things. And on the inside, man, it's, I was just getting it. But on the outside, it was this right here. And I caught a cramp in my calf muscle. I mean, literally, I buckled. I mean, my, my calf tightened. This massive calf right here, babe. See how? That's pretty strong right there from kneecap and below. I know it's powerful. And, uh, and so I caught a cramp, and I'm like, I literally had, I fell on the front row back in my seat. And I thought, Lord, what is going on? People are going to think I got hit by the Holy Ghost, <laughs> fell out in the spirit, and revival break out in the church. Can I tell you, there's a part in worship where you don't care what anybody thinks. You know why? Because you're not doing it to impress anybody. You're doing it unto the Lord. And worship gives our opportunity. This is our chance for self-awareness to die. Worship is our chance for self-awareness to die. And this God consciousness, you see, it would serve some of you well to worship more. Because less of you means more of him. And your life's going to work out better with less of you and more of him. Can I have a good amen? Come on, you receive that today? Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.